Well, turn in your Bibles, if you would, to Exodus chapter 9. Exodus chapter 9. Tonight we see Pharaoh's temporary repentance after the climactic seventh plague, the plague of hail, and how in that temporary repentance, Moses was not fooled. And Moses shows us how to deal with temporary repentance. Exodus 9 We will start at verse 20. He who feared the word of the Lord among the servants of Pharaoh made his servants and his livestock flee to the houses. But he who did not regard the word of the Lord left his servants and his livestock in the field. Then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand toward heaven, that there may be hail in all the land of Egypt, on man, on beast, and on every herb of the field throughout the land of Egypt. And Moses stretched out his rod toward heaven, And the Lord sent thunder and hail, and fire darted to the ground, and the Lord rained hail on the land of Egypt. So there was hail, and fire mingled with the hail, very heavy, that there was none like it in all the land of Egypt, since it became a nation. And the hail struck throughout the whole land of Egypt, all that was in the field, both man and beast. And the hail struck every herb of the field, and broke every tree of the field. Only in the land of Goshen, where the children of Israel were, there was no hail. And Pharaoh sent and called for Moses and Aaron and said to them, I have sinned this time. The Lord is righteous, and my people and I are wicked. Entreat the Lord that there may be no more thunders of God and hail, for it is enough. I will let you go, and you shall stay no longer. Moses said to him, As soon as I have gone out of the city... I will spread out my hands to the Lord. The thunder will cease, and there will be no more hail that you may know that the earth is the Lord's. But as for you and your servants, I know that you do not yet fear God, fear the Lord God. Now the flax and the barley were struck, for the barley was in the head and the flax was in the bud, but the wheat and the spelt were not struck, for they are late crops." So Moses went out of the city from Pharaoh and spread out his hands to the Lord. Then the thunder and the hail ceased, and the rain was not poured on the earth. And when Pharaoh saw that the rain, the hail, and the thunder had ceased, he sinned yet more, and he hardened his heart, he and his servants. So the heart of Pharaoh was hard. Neither would he let the children of Israel go, as the Lord had spoken by Moses. Let's pray. Father, we see the disgusting spectacle of Pharaoh's temporary repentance. Lord, show us the plague of our own heart. Help us to deal with temporary repentance with wisdom and in the fear of God as your servant Moses did so long ago. Don't let us trust in anything besides you. Help us to fear you such that we repudiate all sin and flee from every particle of it. Thank you for your determination to free your people for worship, not just from external tyrants, but particularly from our own remaining corruption. We pray these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, Pharaoh's temporary repentance shows us, A, our own hearts, and B, how to deal with this phenomenon in other people. Well, Moses' handling of it shows us how to deal with it. Unfortunately, probably all of us have had to deal with 
a temporary repenter. Certainly the person in the mirror, but also, oftentimes, a friend, even a spouse or a child. What do you do when the person just doesn't get it? When the punishments of God are upon them, as they were on Pharaoh, and the response is totally inadequate. Well, Pharaoh and Moses show us. The first thing we see about Pharaoh's temporary repentance, starting in verse 27, is of course Pharaoh's classic statement, I have sinned this time. I'm confessing sin. I've sinned. But even as I confess my sin, I'm mostly asserting my own righteousness. You know, this is the seventh inning of this particular entertainment, as it were. This particular showdown. And Pharaoh has sinned six times in a row, and now he's sinning the seventh time. Pharaoh won't admit that. Not interested in saying that. Simply, I've sinned this time. He doesn't reckon with all his sin. Far, far from it. Repentance is not real, brothers and sisters, when we dial in on one sin, maybe the headline sin or the big sin or the sin that's caused the problem this time. Oh, my spouse is mad. Well, that must be the only problem. I did something that made her mad. Pharaoh dials in on that sin and the other sins vanish down the memory hole. I haven't sinned six other times. Just this once. So he refuses to reckon with all his sin. He comes from this perspective that I, my baseline is being good, my baseline is righteousness, and every once in a while I depart from that. Christian repentance comes the other way. My baseline is being a sinner, and every once in a while I depart from that. Do the right thing. And then Pharaoh pays this lip service, the Lord is righteous and my people and I are wicked. Wow, well that sounds pretty good. Now Christianese is the easiest language in the world to learn. We know that. And Pharaoh, even Pharaoh, is starting to be able to speak. Right? He's come a long way from who is Yahweh? I don't know Yahweh, neither will I let Israel go. Now he's able to throw around terms like righteous and wicked. But as commentator after commentator pointed out, these terms... Though they do mean righteous and wicked, they're typically used in the context of the law court. And what they really mean, or what Pharaoh is basically trying to say is, God won, I lost. This is not a statement that God is always right all the time, and he always does everything in accordance with right. Pharaoh is not joining the angel choir and singing holy, holy, holy by making this confession. Rather, those of you who have seen the Ten Commandments movie probably can hear Yul Brynner as Pharaoh saying, God won. I lost. That's all Pharaoh is trying to say at this point. You ever do this? Well, God, you've stopped me from sinning right now. Circumstances have conspired to prevent me from getting into my favorite sin at the moment. You won. I lost. And so I will pretend to repent while planning to go back and do that sin as soon as I get the next opportunity. 
that's Pharaoh's attitude. God won this time, but we'll be back for the next round in just a few minutes. And we'll see who wins that one. Now that's not what we call an attitude of submission or repentance. And then, of course, temporary repentance refuses to pray. Entreat the Lord for me. Well, entreat the Lord, Pharaoh says, that there may be no more of this. Why can't Pharaoh ask God himself? Well, the answer is he's not a man of prayer. He is not willing to talk to God. To get on his knees and ask God for a favor would imply too much humbling. Too much, it looks too much like real repentance. Now, some of us, of course, can evade praying by asking others to pray. I think more often we might evade praying by saying, I'll pray later. I'll pray when I've finished this task, this show, this event, this thing that I'm doing right now. When that's over, then I'll pray. Temporary repentance has to keep its distance from God. I couldn't really pray and really work this out with the Almighty. Because that would be too much like real repentance and I don't want to go there. That's what Pharaoh does. If I really got close to him, I would have to throw away my sin and stop living for pleasure or power or whatever your temptation is. Then Pharaoh seemingly distinguishes Yahweh from God. This is interesting. Right, verse 28, he says, Entreat Yahweh, and literally, that there may be no more voices of God and hail. You might have a footnote to that effect in your translation. Now, that adjective in Hebrew, the of God, that can just mean mighty and majestic. Your righteousness is great, like the mountains of God. To just add that of God on there means huge, majestic, Glorious. Well, entreat the Lord that there may be no more voices of God. But then Moses responds with this. I know that you will not yet fear Yahweh God. That's... We read right over that. Yahweh God, the Lord God, because it appears so many times in the first chapter of the Bible. And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree in the garden you shall and you may freely eat, and so on. That phrase, Lord God, appears, I think, around 30 times in the first two chapters of Genesis. First three chapters. And then it doesn't appear again in the Pentateuch. Except for right here. It's as though Moses is correcting Pharaoh and saying, Stop that. You can't distinguish between Yahweh and God. They're the same, and that's why I'm going to say... Yahweh God to you. How might we distinguish Yahweh from God? Well, we can think of God as generic. Deity made in our own image rather than the God of the Bible who is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We project what He must be like according to our intuitions onto Him rather than knowing Him by name as He's revealed Himself. We can think of God and Christ as two separate individuals who might be at loggerheads with each other. God wants this. Jesus wants that. Who's going to win? Or we can believe that our sins don't matter because the God we serve, 
right? The one we've dubbed Jesus. He doesn't care whether we sin. Pharaoh makes this distinction that's totally unwarranted by reality. Temporary repentance is also self-centered. What is the reason that Pharaoh advances? Entreat the Lord that there may be no more voices of God and hail, for it is enough. The reason Pharaoh wants Moses to take it away is because Pharaoh's tired of it. I've had enough of this. Let's move on, Moses. I'm over it. Basically self-centered in its orientation. That's enough judgment for today. Thanks, God. Don't need any more. I've already said when. You can stop filling that cup of wrath. Again, our temporary repentance can be that way. God, my sin has caused enough problems in my life. I would appreciate it if you would stop sending more. I feel so guilty about what I've done that I can't sleep. So just take away my bad feelings. Don't let me feel so guilty. Or, I've spent all my money on gambling. So give me more money. Because I'm tired of being impoverished by my sin. That's how Pharaoh addresses this. Basically self-centered. His reason has nothing to do with God, your judgment has worked and the people can go. God, you're righteous and therefore you don't need to underline it any further. We get it. No, it's, I'm over it. I'm tired of this. And finally, of course, what makes temporary repentance temporary? Verse 35, verse 34 and 35. He hardened his heart and the heart of Pharaoh was hard. Neither would he let the children of Israel go. What makes temporary repentance temporary is that it doesn't follow through. It says, God, you're right. My sin is bad. I will stop it. And then you check in 10 minutes later and the sin is still going on. Temporary repentance didn't mean anything. It was a flash in the pan, a ripple in the water, a blip on the screen, right? Thing, whatever temporary thing you want to think of, it's gone very, very quickly. So how does Moses respond to this? Because the way Moses responds to it in somebody else is the way we should respond to it in somebody else. And it also gives us ideas for how to deal with it in ourselves. If we love our sin and don't want to turn away from it, how do we apply Moses' lesson? Well, we'll talk about that. But in dealing with it in somebody else, which again, some of you might be doing, Moses' first lesson is don't trust pain to make people fear God. That's Moses' line after he says, I'll take it away. He says, but as for you and your servants, I know that you will not yet fear the Lord God. Pharaoh, I get it. You don't fear God any more than you did during the last plague, or the plague before that, or the plague before that. You're hurting. Your city is destroyed. Your animals are killed. You're seeing all kinds of things that I'm doing to you. And you don't care. You're blowing them off. 
That's because pain alone won't change hearts. If pain made Christians, the gulag and the holocaust would have made a whole bunch of Christians. Suffering is not a panacea that just takes evil people and turns them into God-fearers. Pharaoh might have been hurting, but he wasn't fearing God. So as you deal with a temporary repenter, don't say, oh man, from my perspective, their sin is absolutely destroying their life. Surely they're going to wake up and get it. Maybe not. You can watch your sin destroy not only your life, but your entire society, which Pharaoh got to see, and miss the point. If you have good reason to believe that the person does not yet fear God, treat them accordingly. That doesn't mean be cruel, but it does mean to recognize that you shouldn't trust them. Their standards, their decision-making is not driven by the fear of God. Their decision-making is driven by something else. Their desires, their commitments, their ideology, but not by the fear of the Lord, which is the beginning of wisdom. So that's Moses. He hears this stuff. The Lord is righteous. I've sinned. And he doesn't say, well, good, Pharaoh, come on down with me and get circumcised. I'd like to invite you to join the First Presbyterian Church of Memphis or whatever city this takes place in. Moses recognizes that the Christianese is a very thin veneer over a very unredeemed heart. The second thing, though, that you should do when dealing with a temporary repenter is demonstrate that the earth belongs to God. Temporary repenter, whether you recognize that God is ultimately in charge or not, I will show you that he is. Moses says, as soon as I've gone out of the city, I'll pray, the thunder will stop, the hail will stop, and you'll know that the earth is the Lord's. Or it will stop so that you can know that. This storm is not a fluke. The plagues are not accidents or bad luck that I, Moses, happen to capitalize upon as a smart charlatan. No, the plagues come from the hand of God. So if you're dealing with temporary repentance, right? if there's a sin in your heart that you don't want to let go of, if there's somebody in your life who won't let go of their sin, say to yourself, say to that person, God is in charge of this world. I know it because he answers my prayers. So soften your heart and repent and submit. The earth belongs to him. Now, that means that we have to be like Moses. We have to have the kind of prayer life where we can confidently say, God will do what I ask him to. I've seen him do it enough that now my first thought is, Have I asked God about this? Demonstrate through prayer that the earth is the Lord's. And he'll do anything necessary for his people's good and his own glory. Also, the narrator makes this comment in verses 31 and 32 about some crops were destroyed, but other crops were still coming up and were actually spared from the hail. Why does the narrator fill us in on that? Well, He's saying Moses knew this. Now we know it too. Pharaoh is trusting in the wheat and the spelt to bail him out. 
I'm not going to deal with rioting hungry people in six months because I still have the main crops, the wheat and spelt, that God didn't touch. The hail spared these things. And so, I don't have to repent. What do you trust in, in your sin? God's patience with those who are in sin? The fact that what you're doing is not illegal? That you've gotten away with it thus far? Temporary repenters usually have something that they're pinning their faith on. I'm a good person. I've earned the right to behave this way. Whatever it is, the temporary repenter has some refuge, some bolt hole that they can go in and think they're getting away with their sin and don't need to repent. I can get away with this. And they'll list for you the ways they've gotten away with it. And you say, but what about frogs, flies, lice, hail, blood? You're not getting away with it. And they say, oh yes I am. The wheat and the spelt haven't even come up yet. We're fine. Also, insist on God's identity. This is who God is. He is Yahweh. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. That's a non-negotiable. And that's why Moses says, I know you don't yet fear Yahweh God. It's not a generic deity. I know you don't acknowledge the existence of a higher power. No, that's not what he's saying. You don't acknowledge the true and living God of the Bible whom I serve. Don't be afraid of Christian distinctives in our teaching about who God is. That's how we address temporary repentance. Finally, though, maybe the most important lesson is that Moses actually lets Pharaoh off the hook. He doesn't make it personal. I am going to teach this temporary repenter once and for all. God, double down on the hail until you've smashed Egypt to the ground. No, he goes out and asks God to stop the thunder and hail. And it stops. Moses knows that it's not his job to beat Pharaoh into submission. Nor is it your job to beat your temporary repenter into submission. If there's somebody in your life who will not see their sin and who will not turn from their sin, you don't have to pressure them in more and more and more and more ways to get them to stop. That's God's job. Moses doesn't appoint himself as Pharaoh's personal Holy Spirit. Say, you will see, you will see, open those eyes. Moses backs off and releases the pressure. Now, if you're the temporary repenter, don't give yourself a pass and say, Oh, see, I can stop pressuring myself. Guess I'm okay. No, if you don't follow through on turning away from sin, that's a problem. Don't let yourself off the hook because you're headed for more plagues. But if you're trying to work with a temporary repentant, temporary repenter, know that it's not your responsibility to get your spouse straightened out, not your job to change everyone around you for the better. 
Moses knew that Pharaoh didn't fear God, but he lifted the plague anyway because he understood that pain doesn't bring repentance. Repentance is a gift from God, not a gift from being smacked upside the head. You could make people repent by going around and clubbing them. We would have a lot more Christians. Moses recognizes that. He knew that Pharaoh wasn't going to change. And so he lets the pressure off. So above all, as you know the plague of your own heart and how temporary so much of your repentance actually is, turn around and go back to God. That's what repentance means. Repent is a Latin word that means to think again. It comes from a Hebrew word, or it translates a Hebrew word that simply means to turn. We all know what it is to turn. You're going one way, and you turn, and you go the other way. That's repentance. Pharaoh is going towards hell. When he temporarily repents, he stops for a minute. But he doesn't turn around and start going the other way back towards heaven. Don't be the temporary repentance. If you haven't turned your life around, turn it around. If you have turned it around, by the grace of God, walk towards heaven. Don't stop. Jesus can grant repentance and save you even from yourself. Go to him. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that repentance is your gift that you gave it to the Gentiles, repentance unto life, that you gave it to Moses and the people of Israel. Father, we see Pharaoh and his stubborn heart and his unwillingness to acknowledge his sin, and we know how easily that could be us and has been us. Lord, turn us away from that. Help us to not be temporary repenters, but those who, when we see our sin, follow through in turning from it with full purpose of and endeavor after new obedience. We pray these things, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name. Amen.